0: Welcome to Safety Unlocked. I'm your host, Tim Neubauer. In this episode, we're going to be talking about safety retrospective, looking at current or former safety failures and discussing how they could have been prevented. But I also want to cover that we're learning the same lesson over and over again. Uh, The the old saying that if we don't learn from history, we're destined to repeat it. Uh, it, I'm going to give you a lot of really good examples um, and, and I'm going to start the the, the the podcast off with talking about some really old stuff, but I'm going to use the basis for this, a book by James R. Childs uh, called Inviting Disaster, Lessons from the Edge of Technology. Now, this is a book that's a couple of decades old, and the History Channel actually made it into a, a series talking about how what was leading edge technology at the time actually caused uh, uh, some pretty horrendous or nearly horrendous safety events. But I want to start off by going back uh, a couple of thousand years um, and talk about how long safety rules have been around. Uh, Safety rules themselves have been around for thousands of years, not just since 1970 when the Williams-Steiger Act was signed into law by Richard Nixon. Uh, It's actually in the Bible, um, Deuteronomy 22.8. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for the roof so that you will not bring blood guilt on your house if anybody falls from it. If I was to bring that into modern-day scenario, OSHA, we'll we'll, we'll call it OSHA, 1910.28 fall protection, uh, unprotected sides and edges, you have to have a guardrail if it's more than a four-foot fall. This equals... 1910.28 is mirroring something from biblical times, Deuteronomy 22.8. But that's not the only example that I'd like to bring up. Deuteronomy 23.12 and 13. You shall have a place outside the camp, and go out there, and you shall have a spade among your tools. And it shall be when you sit down outside, you shall dig with it, and turn and cover up your excrement. Now that's pretty close to what OSHA is saying with 1910-141, that you have to have uh, toilet facilities for each employee, and it has to be outside your area, and it has to be clean, and it has to be maintained, and that's 1910-141, which is repeating what basically Deuteronomy 23 says. We're not done yet, folks. In the Bible and Exodus 21 um, uh 33 and 34 If a man shall open a pit, or if a man shall dig a pit, and not cover it, and an ox or an ass fall therein, the owner of the pit shall make it good and give the money unto the owner of them, and the dead beast shall be his. Folks, this is excavation safety from the Bible. And it's covered in 1926 651. When we talk about marking the edge of a of a excavation so people and machinery and in this case oxes or asses don't fall in the hole 1926 651 from the osha standard closely relates to exodus 21 about protecting excavations from people machinery or in this case oxes and asses from falling in there but let's go back even farther than that because there was a code of Hamrubi, which was written about um 1780 B.C., or roughly 4,000 years ago, King Hamrubi was a guy who wrote down rules, probably the first guy that wrote down rules uh, about uh, uh, how to live in society laws. And I'm just going to take a short excerpt from one. It, it's, it's very long, but I'm just going to take an excerpt out of it, out of it so, you can, um, so you can understand. Uh, if a man builds a house badly and it falls and kills the owner, the builder is to be slain. Now think about that, folks. That is contract law. That's warranty. That's workers' compensation. Something happens, I'm going to do the proverbial eye for an eye. Now, that's King Ham Ruby from the 1780 BC. It, once again, the rule is far more complicated, and somebody's going to email me or reach out to me and say, hey, Tim, you didn't read the whole thing. And it, it basically starts off saying, if the child is killed, then an eye for an eye. If the wife is killed, an eye for an eye. Uh, if the builder uh, uh, is killed, if the owner of the house dies, it's it, it's much more bigger than that, but it it actually talks about. These are issues that we dealt with roughly 4,000 years ago in writing, and we are still learning those lessons today. Another one that I always like to talk about is in 1938, um, uh, the Department of Labor, the precursor to OSHA in 1938, the head of labor was a, a woman by the name of Frances Perkins. And Frances Perkins was so concerned about silica deaths in 1938. That she commissioned a video called Stop Silicosis. Um, You can find it on the YouTube channels. You can find it on um, the Prelinger Archives, uh, which is a great spot for resources. I know this is kind of one of those uh, shiny squirrel moments um, that I tend to have. Uh, If you you like those old videos, and these are actually no longer have copyrights, you can go to them, Prelinger, P-R-E, L-I-N-G-E-R, Pralinger Archives, part of the National Archives. You can go there, watch these old safety videos. Um, if you remember Duck and Cover, if you're a certain age group, getting at your desk in school in case there was a nuclear bomb, or Signal 42 from Driver's Education, or, or Death on the Highway, all those movies, those videos are, are on the Pralinger for free download. Uh, but you can also get the one that I'm talking about, which is Stop Silicosis from 1938. Now, Stop Silicosis explains how silicosis affects you and why we need to protect people from silicosis. The amazing thing is, in the early 2000s, people were all upset and up in arms about silicosis and how the government was coming up with a newfangled rule when we actually knew this from the 1930s. And frankly, we knew this in the 1800s as well, and we keep relearning these mistakes again and again and again. We've been at this for about five or six minutes. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back and we're going to get into uh, the James R. Child's book, Inviting Disaster, Lessons from the Leaning Edge of Technology. I'm Tim Neubauer, and you're listening to Safety Unlocked. You're listening to Safety Unlocked. I'm Tim Neubauer, and my guest for this segment is Dave Bittner. Dave, in a previous segment, we talked a little bit about um, silica and asbestos and uh, how people just don't seem to think that it's an issue. Uh, The other day, uh, I was in downtown uh, uh, here in the um, central North Carolina, and um, there was a crew cutting... Uh, the sidewalk and the huge plume of silica as they were dry cutting with no water and no, no respirators on and people walking by them. And some people are like walking way around. Other people walk right through the cloud. No big deal. Can't hurt me uh, right in front of some of the biggest law firms in the downtown area. And and my thought is always, hey, you know what? Um, there was a guy in 1700 um, who identified silicosis in stone cutters and said, Hey, this is a, this is a big deal. People uh, breathe this stuff in and it leaves permanent damage. And, and really 200 years later uh, Dr. Alice Hamilton did a study and said, yes, it is. And here uh, 1700 to 2023, 223 years later, we still have people that say, ah, This is something they just made up. I've been doing this for years, but it's really affected millions and millions of people. There's a Hawks Nest. West Virginia is a very well-known example of hundreds, if not thousands of people, Um, you know, and, and, and I want to, I'm going to draw a close comparison, but a completely different thing. And then I I, I want your your feedback here. So um, asbestos, which it, the difference between silica affecting asbestos affecting are, to me, the, the ramifications are similar yet vastly different. But it's still a very small particle that you breathe in. And we have known about silica, I'm sorry, for asbestos for 2000 years. And we knew in the early 1800s that this stuff was bad to breathe in. And we knew it here in the United States. You know, um, we inspected it and, and actually took widespread uh, uh, action after people who were working with this stuff came down with severe lung damage. So this is nothing new. We've known about this for hundreds and in cases, thousands of years. Dave, why are people still resisting trying to protect themselves from these small respirable particulate hazards?
1: Oh, I could... I can give you a, a simple explanation because if something doesn't kill somebody right away, or they don't feel it right away, they feel like it's not affecting. Um, unfortunately, age and wisdom comes into play and it's too late. Uh, if they don't take the, the the training seriously and understand that this can damage them, uh, it's going to be a problem. Uh, and, and what I would say about the, what you were talking about, about the, the plumes of dust and people walking through it. Well, the general public has no training Uh, in general, in general, that they they don't have the training. Um, Hopefully your, your construction workers knows doing the cutting do. So it's very irresponsible for them to be creating a hazard, not only for themselves, but for other
0: people and allowing that to happen. I can Um, certainly tell you that uh, no one, on that crew had a respirator and and i want to qualify because i know there's going to be some guy out there some person out there that is the uh um the the safety cop uh i was a block away walking into a meeting with a client and i saw that on the other end of the next block um and and i made a, a decision for time um to to not walk that block and have what I'm going to call a futile or a moot point because the supervisor was there. It was in a downtown area, um, although I'm sure that they knew or assumed that they knew they weren't going to comply. Um, but, yeah, it, they just they didn't see the hazard in it. And I, I really liked your uh, your analogy that if it doesn't kill me today and it's probably not going to kill me at all. Or is it?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it goes with it. Look at people who smoke. Right. Uh, bad dietary habits, overconsumption of alcohol, or anything—it's not killing me today, and I'm enjoy—I'm enjoying this situation now. Not that you enjoy inhaling silica, but it's not killing me today. So why does it matter? Um, and then, unfortunately, with that, in coming years is regret, right? right. And understanding that I should have cared more about protecting myself which I've been guilty to. And we, we talked about that. My, my wife will get on me about not wearing a dust mask when I would work sometimes. And then uh, I'll kind of begrudgingly put one on because it's hot outside, but she's right. I mean, anything that's not oxygen or air, i want to say air, not oxygen going into your lungs, probably does not belong there. Do not wait for an authority to tell you that it's dangerous for you. It's, it's kind of simple. We find out that everything's smoke, particles when they go into your lungs they don't belong there they stick and you get scar tissue and at least the things like emphysema and lung cancer etc
0: that's a uh, very real example for me having never smoked in my life um i spent 38 days in the middle of a burning oil field um in the military and um uh with minimal rudimentary protection. And um, uh, I am sure at some point or feel very strongly at some point in my life, I'm going to have serious lung damage or issues that are going to come up as a result, 38 days of breathing in a burning oil field. Uh, People who are uh, vaping, and and, and I don't want to get into the political argument of, you know, I can vape or I can smoke. I, I don't want to go there, but there are chemicals in the vape um, even if we're talking the water inside of there it's not just dihydrated oxygen which is my joke of saying Hto it has other things and the flavorings and you're inducing it into your lungs one of the uh, uh flavorings that was originally in vaping was a company uh, or a product called diacetyl uh diacetyl is uh is not banned by OSHA um, there is no standard on it but diacetyl has a uh a um, it's artificial butter flavoring, or uh, uh, gives you that salty sweetness taste of butter, uh, and it's known to cause heart and lung damage. If uh, if our listeners would like to to Google diacetyl and popcorn lung, uh, you're going to yeah. find out that that it's is. Really uh, awesome. Yeah, and and it was at one point in these vaping products, but I don't want to. I don't want to go in down that political trail. That was just uh, I. I can't speak to it. It's, all vaping products. I'm just right. saying. Well, it's not a point of politics. It's a point of health, right? So awareness. Right. You don't know what chemicals are in there.
1: Choices,
0: you don't know what's in there, and you were you were breathing it in, and uh, we we're all very. uh, Sensitized to germs, mold, pollen, viruses in the air, but we're okay breathing in this dust, which is a known hazard. You know, uh, and and we don't tend to draw that equal comparison of hey, this stuff's uh, hurting us. Uh, and and I can tell you that my father died of lung cancer. He was a lifelong smoker. I can tell you my my uh, my father-in-law. Uh, died at a young age he worked in a foundry as an overhead crane operator um and he used to leave the door open because it was hot up there in the ceiling of the foundry and he breathed all those those gases in and it cost him his life at a very young age um so it doesn't necessarily mean what you're that you're uh uh... there's a lot of different ways you can get lung damage and uh um as guess where my point is i want to bring up uh, something else too it's the size of the particulate um uh, when you're sawing wood the 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 particle is relatively big it can still hurt you but the smaller the particle the easier it is to get into your alveoli uh and do actual lung damage that's long term um uh, so people uh when they're sanding sheetrock um that is a, a very small particle although it's not silica cuz silica would actually be a uh, uh a bad thing in sheetrock It's it's other things um Talcum powder, there's a number of lawsuits out there of talcum powder is a very small particle and you breathe it in it causes uh, a lot of problems. And and there's also some topical applications that are are known carcinogen uh, causing events, uh, especially in ladies. Um, You know, when they blow up buildings, uh, coal miners get uh, uh, black lung from the coal dust because it's such a small particulate. And here in the Carolinas where uh, uh, Dave and I live, um, brown lung was huge when the textile industry was here. And that is the uh, cotton lung, which is the small particulate that you breathe in. So although we're talking about silicon asbestos when this started off, I want to talk about all particulates in the air that are small enough for you to breathe in and cause lung damage. Dave, do you have uh, anything to elaborate on uh, some of that black lung, brown lung?
1: Um, a, com- a common thread there, um, and not so much the brown lung, uh, it, and I'll get to that in a second. A, a common thread there is uh, uh, that the crystalline uh, structure of asbestos and silica are particularly dangerous because like a, like a small splinter uh, glass, they stick right into the alveoli of the lungs um, and your body tries to protect it by encapsulating it and creating basically scar tissue around it, which is hard and inflexible. And those, those tissues of the lung, they need to be flexible because most people see the lung as a bag. The lung is really not a bag. It's more of a spongiform. Yep. It's more of a spongiform type thing. Um, so it, it these millions and millions of pores, need to get oxygenated and when the small amount of a uh, of scar tissue is created it's very bad um and sometimes it, it, there's all different degrees my father's 91 he has asbestosis um and you may say well he's 91 but you know what he has to live with an inhaler. um and there's this you know my grandfather too worked in in uh, congolium for years and you know around when they didn't know certain things were bad and he had uh, he had emphysema, and I too breathed the same oil fires that Tim breathed, um, and also worked in some factories. And unfortunately, I was a little dumb when I was younger and smoked cigarettes. Um, so you know now, it, and like I said, you know at all age it's it's you start thinking about these things, right? Uh, and when you're young, you don't think about them, but you really should be ahead of the curve, be be wise in a young age, and protect your lungs.
0: Institutional knowledge, we're going to be talking about that more in one of our other segments. But, um, thanks for sharing uh the personal stories about that. And you know, Dave was probably about 10 miles west of me during the oil field fire, so I, yeah, I don't know if he was upwind or downwind, but it was a wind and we were there. Um, so, so lessons learned it doesn't matter about silica or asbestos, one or the other, they're equally. Uh, damaging but i wanted to draw the bigger picture of anything you're breathing in in an industrial environment uh, has the potential to cause lung damage and you should uh, take appropriate measures to protect yourself we are not super people at some point we're going to pay the piper agreed you're listening to safety unlocked i'm tim neubauer with dave bittner You've been listening to Safety Unlocked, a podcast for safety people by safety people. Brought to you by Exceed Safety. Visit our website at ExceedSafetyLLC.com or call us at 919-728-SAFE. Exceed Safety.